0: welcome back to the Bees Academy's podcast. I'm Barbara Williams.
1: And I'm Pete Sterling.
0: And we're the founders of Bees Academy here in Sacramento. Today, we have quite an interesting story to tell you today. And the story is a story that tells you the beginning of how Halloween Came into existence, and this is the theme for our month of October.
1: That's correct. Yeah, no, we're just starting to start a uh, long string of holidays from October, November, December, through January, and it's kind of interesting. We were thinking about what is the what's the best way to to um, treat a holiday. In your, when you're in elementary school, it's, it seems to me like it's a it's definitely an opportunity for fun and I don't think there's any lack of that in the holidays, but I think there's also other opportunities too.
0: Yeah, there are myriad opportunities to um, teach our students how to uh, look at other cultures, how to be accepting of other cultures, how to live not only knowing about yourself but knowing about others who are different.
1: Totally and agree. And it, I think that's especially important in America. We're a very special country in that. I mean, we're not the only culture that's a multi multicultural society, but we definitely are one of the first and we have the we have the uh the blueprint and we also have the responsibility to kind of uh be that model, I think, to the rest of the world. Uh, we we've never been one culture. We've always been many different cultures all together and so knowing about other cultures is one of the only ways to actually know even about ourselves
0: absolutely and when you know more about yourself you're able to be accepting of others and um, make an effort to learn about where they came from and what some of their rituals are
1: absolutely yes so halloween is on the that's on the, the menu for today.
0: <laughs> and quite a menu it is.
1: Indeed. Halloween is a weird holiday. It, it comes to us from, from the Celtic people and a lot of people in the United States trace roots back to Ireland and to Scotland. In fact, some might say that everyone does. At least they say that on St. Patrick's Day.
0: Oh, oh yeah. Well, you know what happens on St. Patrick's Day.
1: Yes, everyone's Irish on St. Patrick's Day.
0: That's (laughs) right. That's absolutely correct.
1: But between St. Patrick's Day and Halloween, one might argue that Halloween is the more Irish of the two holidays, being that St. Patrick's Day was more of just a religious holiday until Irish-Americans made a thing out of it. So... So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the uh the Irish roots of it and kind of how that shapes up to make this uh make this the well, I I don't know if it's a totally an American holiday, but I, I don't know how it's celebrated in other countries, but it certainly is celebrated here. So Let's but, get at the origins
0: so of Halloween.
1: So yeah, so all of the you know, the 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 devilry and the trick or treating and the the costume dressing and the all other tomfoolery that goes on on the on Halloween all really traces itself back to uh, a harvest holiday basically where the the year ended for the for the ancient Celts, they called it Sawan. They would um, light bonfires because they believed that the spirits would come walk the earth, mainly because the borderline between the spirit world, And the land of the living was blurred, and so they could kind of cross paths. Now, I don't know.
0: So are you saying that Halloween, um, the origins of Halloween started sort of like daylight savings time when the darkness and the light kind of blurred the lines?
1: I think, well, I I do think that there's there's something to the bit that, you know the darkness was the was the delineation between summer and winter that you were going from what they would call the time of the light to the time of the dark which we definitely notice here with daylight saving times when we we go from basically a, what we consider a normal day most of the time and then all of a sudden it's jeez it's, all it's dark. dark when we wake up it's dark when we go to bed <laughs> it's dark when we eat dinner it's always dark <laughs>
0: And I could see I could see where how uh, a holiday would (laughs) emerge from from that routine of it always
1: being dark. So these ghosts are walking the earth and they're scaring the Irish. And The Irish generally don't. I don't know. A little scared of the little scared of the ghosts. Are they really? I don't know. I think they got a little bit of that. Maybe also a little bit of a a little bit of a little bit of toughness against them i kind of mocked them a little bit but i think more scared than not scared if i was going to guess
0: okay and so how does that fit into the mexican holiday of the day of the dead
1: well that's interesting that's actually interesting that you would bring that up because a lot of people a lot of people who are big into the uh, day of the dead are very quick to say that it is not mexican halloween and that's true it's not it's a very different holiday okay. but what's interesting about it to me is that it does happen at the very same time of the year so if we do halloween on the 31st of october and they do uh, dia de los muertos from the first to the second of november the next couple of days and they do have the same kind of um, the same thing happens on Dia de los Muertos, where the the land the the delineation between the, the living and the dead is blurred, and the 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 passed away are able to come back on the earth and visit their families.
0: Well, that can't be a coincidence. I'm sure somewhere along the line that started to overlap, or that some of the same. S- occurrences happen in both those cultures
1: i am really curious about this and i i don't know and i want to be careful to not not say that they all came up with it together or that one learned it from the other because i just don't know but it is like you say it is a very coincidental timing that the that the gates of the of the underworld would open up on the very same time of year for these two cultures across an ocean and and many, many miles away from each other.
0: Very interesting.
1: I like it because these being two very prominent cultures here where we live, sharing an, an idea that, while it's not probably in the forefront of most people's minds most of the time, I think that that type of attitude does slip into the subconscious of a lot of a lot of people. I don't think that the these ancient ways necessarily just go away. That people bring forward from their ancestries a lot of a lot of like innate beliefs that that they act upon without even knowing it sometimes. I agree. And I think that it's a really I think it's very interesting that the Mexican and the Irish cultures seem to be very similar in some ways. And this being one of them. I agree. So maybe what I should do right now is just do a little quick rundown of some of the things that the ancient Celts used to do on their holiday. And just you, as you're listening, you'll probably just recognize what they have to do with our holiday and just kind of see how we've drawn those things forward throughout the many thousands of years that have transpired between. So on this day, at the end of the end of the summer, when winter is to begin and they had Samhain they would they would obviously as I've said before the gates of the underworld would open up and this was a bit fearful to them they wanted to make sure that they protected their their selves their crops and and everything else from from harm at the hands of these of the spirits so what they would do, first off, would be to have big bonfires. And so it would be bonfires everywhere. And the the fires, I think, you know, if I'm thinking about it, they represent the, the, you know, almost a replacement for the sun. So that the light is what scares away the underworld and the dark is what allows them to come forth. And so you create big light to keep them from, you know, farming you. And the other things that they would do were to dress up, and they would dress up like ghosts and ghosts and goblins and whatever else, and I th- the reason why they would do that was a bit of a camouflage, so that if you were away from your fire and the ghost happened upon you, they went see you, but then they would also think that you were one of them, so they wouldn't bother you, and that's a way of keeping yourself safe. Apart from that, the the bonfire itself was basically, it had a lot of different significance, significance they would um want to make the first fire of the winter at home using an ember from the bonfire itself and this would be good luck throughout the whole year and so to do that each person from the community would grab one of the embers and put it in a hollowed out turnip and then take it home these turnips you know i'm assuming would be created into lanterns which was the the thing that once the holiday came to America being there a lack of turnips and and an abundance of pumpkins became a this the switch was made so to speak the trickers and the treaters would be those back in the day who could not afford to have a party and to have a bonfire and so they would go from uh, but the poor would go to the rich and they would knock on the doors and they would beg for alms and and with what they gathered they would be able to do their their holiday so a lot of those things have all come through to us today and we still do them today obviously in a very different way and not really thinking about those original significance but I do think it's interesting that the This indigenous culture in Ireland has been able to be kept alive through a change of religion, a change of continent, and a thousand years of history, which have have changed the world so much that the original purpose for the holiday is no more. Yet the holiday remains with us, and so all of those things are just little bits to teach us about ourselves, a little bit about why we do what we do, and. And so, there it is. That's, that's a really brief three-minute holiday description of how Halloween came to us today. But, now for the important part, because no Hol- Halloween would be complete without a ghost story, and we have one for you today. So, this is one that I've actually heard in my life uh, when I was young, and remembered it, and was able to find some things to kind of remind myself, but I did this one from memory, so this was, this is straight off the head, and, and I hope that it goes off well, and, and we'll come back on the backside and maybe talk briefly about that. So, this is the story of the traveler and the well. So we've just got done talking a little bit about the Irish origins of Halloween and the great lengths that they would go to to avoid the, the ghosts and so you, you might expect that it would be very common that a culture so afraid of ghosts would have many a ghost story and here's one of those right now. And this is a story about a man who was traveling along the road. This man was a... he was a Dennehy. And I can say about those Denahis, from personal experience, because it's a family name, that they sometimes get themselves in trouble that they shouldn't have. But this man was no different. He was a Denahi, and he was walking down the road, and he comes to a cabin. He's, it's night, he's tired, and he knocks on the door. The door is answered by an old woman with a really stern look. And she asks him to come on in, and she invites him in. Now, you know, if you've known anything about the Irish, you know that they're known for two things. One of which is their hospitality and the other is their wit. And by wit, I mean they are known to have a song or a dance or a, a quick quip if you say something dumb. It's it's just a quirk of the culture. No biggie. And the situation was no different. But the hospitality, hospitality is a very, very important thing. Now, you don't go to an Irish house and not be offered something. It would be rude not to, and it would be rude to refuse. And so it is. And that's what happened here as well. She offered him food. She offered him drink. She offered him dry clothes. And he sat warmly by her fire. But nothing in this life is free, of course. And neither is free room and board for the night, especially with a stranger. And so, you know, if one is asked to enjoy and partake of the of the you know the, the food of the house it's it's just customary to also entertain the hosts and so she asked the, the young Dennehy she said could you sing me a song he said ah oh, geez I can't do it I can't do it I can't sing you a song you know I, I sing so badly you'd rather hear a cat being swung around by its tail than to ever hear me sing it's not it's not a pretty sight in fact if I were to sing this story might even be more scary than the one it's about to be told. She said, Ah well then it's fine. It's fine. Well, of course you've got a story, you've been travelling now. You've been you've been out and about in the road and you 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 surely have many a tale to tell. He said, Oh I'm I'm no good for stories, you know, I just I just can't I can't compose them in my head. I, I throw the details this way. I I, I forget the order of things. I, ah, it's just it's a disaster. And she says, well, then a dance then, it should, shouldn't should be that hard. Says, oh, I can't sing. I can't dance. You know, I, my dancing is, uh, it's just it's nothing. You know, two left feet. What do you know? So she says, well, gosh, what good are you? You're no good at all. What we're going to have to do then is just, you know, take that bucket over there. At least put your back to work while you're here. Go fetch us some water that we will use for the morning. It'll be fine. So he picks up the bucket, he's like, this I can do. This, you know, I do appreciate the room and the board and this I can do. So he goes out to the well and he he tosses the bucket down along the, with the rope and it splashes deep in the well and he waits a minute while it fills with water and then he goes to draw it back up. Now he draws it back up, but it doesn't come. It gets stuck on something. He's like, oh no, you know, After all of my failure to entertain, I've got to get this bucket back. So he pulls and he pulls, and nothing. In fact, he almost feels like it's pulling him back. Gosh, he grabs the rope and he wraps it around his wrists. And he pulls one last jerk, but the jerk, in return, is much, much firmer. And he falls into the well, splashes into the water, and sinks and sinks and sinks deep into the water of the well. Now, you'd think this is the end of him, you know, he's, his arms are tied to a rope. He's The rope is on the end of a bucket that's filled with water, and he's sinking. This, this is the end of him, he's drowned. But no, it's not the end of him. What ended up happening was he falls through the water, into a space below. Now, this is quite curious, isn't it? He thought so, too. He looks up above him, and in the place of the sky, there's the water of the well, and you can see... The bottom of the of the rock walls around the wall he's he's not quite sure what to do with this but no sooner than he starts to think about what what has just happened and where to go from here he sees three men you might not call them that here these were ghastly beasts their eyes were sunken empty sockets their skin was pulled tightly against their bony skulls and their hands were gnarly pointy tree branch type things that just stuck out of their arms as if they were just jammed into a snowman. They were, they were awful and they were gross. He looks at them and they look back at him and the first of the ghastly men says to the others he says, who is going to carry the coffin the second speaks he says i don't know who will carry the coffin the third speaks well of course the traveler will carry the coffin won't he and he does he put they put the coffin on his back and the four of them start to run and they run over a creek they run through a woods they run over a field and over another woods and into a clearing where they stop abruptly. The first of the ghastly men speaks up while the traveler is still trying to catch his breath. He says, Who will be digging the grave? And the second of the ghastly men, he says, I don't know who's going to dig this grave. Then the third speaks up, he says, Well, of course, it will be the traveler. He's new to the group, and he'll dig this grave. So they put him to digging, and he digs a deep hole that's six feet deep and six feet wide. And when he's done, he comes out of the hole, again, out of breath. And the first of the men speaks. He says, who will lie in the coffin? And the second speaks up. Well, I don't know who will lie in the coffin. And then the traveler is gets savvy. I don't want to stick around to hear what the third of these is going to say. And he's off. He runs, runs, and runs. He runs, he finds his way back to the bottom of the well. All the while looking over his shoulder as the ghastly men chase, and chase him. And they're faster, and they're faster. And where their eyes were empty holes, now black smoke is starting to emit from those eyes, creating this trail behind them like a jack-o'-lantern. He gets to the bottom of the well, where the rope is still hanging below. And he desperately tries to climb, and he climbs, and he climbs, and he climbs up the thing with the bucket below. And the ghastly men are below, grabbing and pulling him back. He finally, he makes it through the water, he holds his breath, he climbs himself and lets go of the rope so that he can clamber along the sides of the well to avoid being pulled back down. He gets to the top with them on his heels and he runs to the cabin where he had been, where he had been staying with the old woman and he pounds desperately on the door. Just when he thought he could wait no longer, she opens the door and she looks at him with a knowing and wise keen eye and she says to him, who is it now that has no stories to tell? She pulls him into the house and he faints from exhaustion and from fear. The morning comes sooner than he might have thought. He's awakened by rain pattering across his face. What is this rain on my face? And as he wipes the coals out of his eyes, he looks and he sees that the thatch of the roof where he had been staying is not there, it, is, it has fallen in. And that there are crows perched around the sides of the foundation of the walls where he looks around and realizes that no one has lived in this house for years. He gathers himself, he leaves, and tells nobody for many years, but forever after that, whenever asked of a story, he made sure that he was never caught flat-footed with no stories to tell again. The End Well, there you have it the traveler in the well
0: our first halloween story
1: yeah and it was a spooky one we um that was a lot of fun i thought and we're going to continue this whole month with the theme of halloween and dia de los muertos i think that the next time we might talk a little bit about the mexican holiday the not mexican halloween and we are going to uh, see if we can just kind of connect the dots a little bit and have a lot of fun with this with this fall holiday season, uh, this October holiday season. So,
0: And I hope you all enjoyed that story. And remember, we all should have a story to tell.
1: Until next time, this has been Bees Academy Podcast. You can get a hold of us at beesacademy.org or send us an email at beesacademy at gmail.com you can also find us on socials and so until next time we wish you guys a very spooky night